Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. We're going to teach you a new song this morning. It says, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high because God, the battle belongs to you. Let's sing it. When I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. When I fight, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. One more time. When I fight, when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. shine in the shadows you win every battle amen nothing can stand against the power of our god an almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god you shine in Cry, holy, holy. 
worthy of it, Lord. You're worthy of it, Lord. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Sure Maybe seated. Welcome to Grace Chapel this morning, and welcome to all of you who are watching from home. It's a great day to come together and offer our praises up to the Lord. At this time in the service, we would normally pass the basket for our offerings, but under the circumstances, we no longer do that. So if you would like, you may make your offerings online. You may also put your check or cash in a basket in the back on the wall. I just have one announcement today. Uh, tonight is our annual congregational meeting with a missions focus. Tonight at 6 p.m. We're meeting via Zoom only. The Zoom link was emailed earlier this week and will be posted on our website homepage shortly before the meeting begins. A few copies of the supporting documents for tonight's meeting are available on the tables as you exit the main sanctuary doors. Uh, if you do not have access to receiving the weekly email, you may take advantage of that. So we hope to see you tonight at the meeting. Again, welcome, and uh, let me uh, just, bow, look, forgot to pray, hello. Please bow your heads and pray with me as we uh, make, uh, give thanks for the offering. Dear Lord, we are so grateful to be with fellow believers here today. And we think about the offering, we think of Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine, new wine, excuse me. At this time, Lord, we offer up to you the first fruits of all that you've given us. We are so grateful, Lord, for your provision. We thank you, and we ask you to take these gifts and use them to help those who may be in need or to those who have not yet heard the good news of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Um, the topic of my talk today is going to be why we can believe in miracles. Why do we care about this? Our faith depends on miracles. And 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respects. respect. So one of the most frequent objections to our faith is our belief in miracles. Um, so let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for the privilege of serving you with them, Lord. Father, you, don't like, you, know, I, you know me better than I know myself, and you, don't, you know that I don't like to speak in public, Lord. But you asked me to give this a try. Father, your word says that when we love you, every experience, good or bad, comfortable or uncomfortable, wonderful or awful, is for our good. And we know this, Father, because we know that you are for us and not against us. So, Father, I ask you to take my words, and if any of them are from you, I pray that they would find root in people's hearts and affect the change that you desire. And anything else is unimportant, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, uh, my name's Frank Augustine. I'm one of the elders. Um, you've seen me do a couple things up here before. But one thing you may not know about me is that I have a master's and a bachelor's in nuclear engineering. And I've been working as a nuclear engineer for more than 30 years. I'm also a certified health physicist which means that I'm an expert in radiation and the effects of radiation and how to, um, how to protect people from it. Most engineering disciplines, mechanical and civil, and others require four semesters of mathematics. Nuclear engineering requires six, and in fact, I took eight semesters of mathematics. So why am I telling you about this? Um, do I think I'm smart compared to God? No, that's ridiculous. That would be silly. To paraphrase C.S. Lewis, compared to God or even the archangels, I would rate slightly above a trained monkey. <laughs> On my good days. Um, in truth, God more often uses those who are not the best and the brightest, maybe to remind the rest of us that we're all equal in the eyes of God. But by my, by my background, you can see that I'm well qualified to talk about the science and the mathematics of miracles. So one of the first objections to miracles <coughs> is that miracles violate the laws of science. But those who say this often don't understand what scientific laws mean and how they were discovered. The laws of science aren't like human laws if you violate the law of gravity you don't go to jail. There may be other effects, but you don't go to jail. Um, modern science back to the 1600s is largely based on the scientific method. You might remember from school that the scientific method is you observe events, you make a hypothesis about those events and why they're occurring, and then you devise an experiment to test the hypothesis. You then revise or, or reinvent that hypothesis based on the outcome of the experiment. Now that sounds really complicated and all the four-letter uh, long words. But it's really not that complicated. It's no different from a salesman trying to figure out what pitch to make to his customers to sell a product and maybe experimenting with one pitch or another and figuring out which is the most successful. It's the same idea. So here's a practical illustration. A man owns a house next to a stream. Every day he goes down to the stream gets a pot of water and puts it on the stove to boil. He measures the temperature at which it starts to boil. It's always 212 degrees. He's discovered one scientific law. So the man's house is next to a mountain. So one day he goes part way up the mountain and repeats the experiment and discovers that the water boils at a lower temperature. 
He repeats it several times. He finds that there's a mathematical relationship between the elevation and the boiling temperature. He's just expanded his law to cover a wider variety of events. So maybe a few months later, he adds salt to the water to see what the effect is. He discovers that adding salt increases the temperature at which the water boils. By more exper experiments, he finds that the more salt he adds, the higher the boiling temperature. He develops a mathematical relationship between the amount of salt he adds and the increase in boiling temperature. Again, he's just expanded his discovery. But there are never many things that he's covered that are outside, many things that could happen that are outside of the range of his experiments. What if he adds pepper to the, to the water or sugar? What if he heats it up in a pressure cooker? What if he heats it up in another state or another planet? These are things that, are, that aren't seen. The laws of science are basically a collection of observations tied together with mathematical or logical relationships. There's no law as such. It's just a well-organized collection of observations like a scrapbook. Science is inherently limited to what can be seen. Science is like this chain. Now, in the middle of the chain, um, you know, you can think of scientific laws that date back to the 1600s. They're, they've been um, verified by experiment and independently verified by many people. And then maybe toward the ends of the chain, you know, are, are maybe the scientific discoveries that are more recent, like in the 1900s. Again, um, verified by experiment and independently verified by many people. And by the way, I don't want to say anything negative about people that want to go into science and technology. Those are noble endeavors, and I could even talk about the scripture behind that. Um, but you can see that every link in the chain is an experiment verified by others, and it's linked to all the other links in the chain. Now, you might like this chain. It's bright and it's shiny. But here's the issue. It has ends. The more unlikely an occurrence, the more outside of our usual exper experience, the more likely is that we don't understand it. It's beyond the chain. There are things that can't be reproduced in a laboratory or that happened in the past but not under controlled conditions, like evolution, for example, that are beyond the ends of the chain. A key verse in understanding for and praying for miracles is 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Understanding miracles is about understanding what is seen and what is unseen. It's the unseen that can point us to the eternal. First slide, please. Okay. <clears throat> Things that are not seen can be powerful. And here's a whole list of them. If anybody ever tells you, well, I can't see God, so I don't believe in him, just point him to this list. It's really a silly argument. Um, so this last one is dear, dear, near and dear to my heart um, because I'm, I'm paid a salary to understand radiation, assess it, and protect people from it. So on the 1st and 15th of every month, I get reminded of the importance of the unseen. So, um, so here's another illustration of what is seen and unseen. Next slide. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I like statistics. I know everyone doesn't like statistics. But for those that like it, try to hold back your enthusiasm. So this is, this is a probability distribution of um, the height of men and women in America, in the United States, adult men and women. So basically the way it works is the higher the curve, the more likely it is that someone's about that height. So you can free see from this curve that um, most women are between 60 and 70 inches tall. But here's the thing. There are 300 million people in the United States and figure half of them are adults and half of them are women. So uh, the tallest woman in the United States is seven feet, seven inches, 91 inches. And the shortest woman in the United States 
is 27 inches. So if I put those on the same curve, next slide, okay, um, you can see there's big areas here that we can't see beyond the curve. So, um, and if you put, if you plotted every one of the whole world, those dots would go out even farther. So if you've never seen a woman over seven feet tall or under two and a half feet tall, does that mean they don't exist? Of course not. They're just rare. And as you might guess, there might be special medical condi conditions that might make somebody extra tall or extra short. Uh, these are things that happen that are outside the range of our experience or even outside the experience of whole countries or communities that we don't expect. Very low probability events. Sometimes they're called outliers, um, influenced by things that we don't see that would push us beyond the edge of the statistics. Um, besides the Bible, which is one of the most well-documented books from antiquity, a book I recently purchased, two volumes, <laughs> Um, documents hundreds and hundreds of miracles over the history of the church, even in the 20th century. I've heard many pastors and missionary workers echo that sentiment. It's true that sometimes people will fake miracles to get publicity or attract attention, and that's talked about in this book, but those are only a small percentage of the miracles, and uh, most of the time people can't get away with it for very long. So most of the miracles that this book talks about Thousands of miracles are, uh, are, are true miracles. So let's talk about a person with a serious illness who has a strong religious faith and belongs to a community with many people with strong religious faith who care for each other and will pray for one another. And that's relatively rare. It's not unreasonable to suppose that given this situation, once in a while a person could be healed without medical treatment or before the medical treatment is concluded. Actually, in most countries, good medical treatment, like the United States and Europe, among people of faith, they try both the conventional medicine and prayer. So it's sometimes difficult to tell uh, which one is responsible for the healing, although God is responsible for it because he can work through natural means as well as miraculous means. But in countries with poor medical treatment, like India or Africa, Prayer might be the only thing they can try. It might be the only thing they can afford. So miracles might be more reported among Christian communities. And that's exactly what occurs. Um, many more miracles are reported in Africa and India and other places that are uh, relatively poor than in the United States and Europe. By definition, miracles are rare, so a large number would have to be tracked to say that it would not occur in one in 10,000 people under the right conditions. Or let's take the more extreme case of people being raised from the dead. Now, people are resuscitated all the time. Next slide. This is actually a study of uh, 64,000 people that were resuscitated. Um, half of them didn't make it. <laughs> the other ones, um, uh, they, they were dead longer and longer before they were resuscitated. The world record is 96 minutes. You can be pretty sure that that's not in India or Africa. That's going to be a place that has uh, modern medicine where they can measure that it's 96 minutes. But if you look at the Bible, seven people were raised from the dead over 6,000 years. If you look at the history of the church, there may be a few hundred more. How many people lived over that time period? Well, I've seen estimates of 70 billion to 100 billion. So it would be arrogant to say that for 70 or 100 billion people, a few hundred couldn't have risen from the dead. Next slide. So this takes the same chart, and you can't see it there, but there's little blue spikes. Takes it out to a longer period. We really don't know what's happening in this long time, time out period. Those are outliers beyond our usual experience, but hit, uh, controlled by powers that we can't see. It's all well and good to say that these very low probability events happen once in a while. But here's the other half of the miracle. They don't happen randomly. 
Part of the miracle is not just the occurrence of the event itself, but the fact that it happens in response to prayer or exercising spiritual gifts. Not just the low probability of the miracle, but forces that we can't see, things that are beyond our understanding. People often deny miracles, essentially saying there's nothing beyond the ends of the chain. Carl Sagan, a once a famous atheist, uh, once said, the cosmos is all it is or was or ever will be. He's dead now, so he might have a different opinion. <clears throat> Why do people deny that there's something beyond the reach of current science, beyond the ends of the chain? Is the chain so bright and shiny you can't see that it has ends? Sometimes people are ignorant. Sometimes they don't think things through. But most often, I think, it's due to pride. People don't want to admit that there are many things that they don't know. Plus, if you deny the supernatural, it means you don't have to think about the fact that you might be accountable to a higher being or that you might not have to think about the fact that many of the decisions in your life may have been wrong. This denial can take many forms. Many reputable medical studies will dismiss supernatural claims out of hand because acknowledging it can be a career ender. Instead of a miracle, it's called spontaneous remission. Sometimes it's claimed the original diagnosis was an error or that the records for two people were mixed up. The same thing occurs in studies of biology and how uh, new species are formed. If a researcher claims intelligent design or that it's too complex to have evolved by chance, that also can be a career ender, at least in the United States. So, next slide. Here's a diagram of just part of a hemoglobin molecule. It has four chains. This is one of those chains. There's over 100 amino acids strung in that chain. That's, that's what each little abbreviation means, one type of amino acid. And the molecule as a whole has over 500 amino acids. There are two or three types of hemoglobin in healthy people. But if there's one error in the chain, the person has sickle cell anemia. Uh, there's a, a few other health conditions that can be caused by a, a single error in the chain. If there's more than a few errors, it's not viable. It won't work. The person can't even live. So the odds that this molecule could form by random chance are more than the number of microseconds since the beginning of the universe, 20 billion years ago. So um, let's take an aside. Why do what do miracles reveal about the strategy of God? Well, he's looking to build his church. Miracles help his children to continue to believe or to establish a beachhead among future believers, that is, people that don't believe. There are many stories about an unbelieving family desperately looking for cure for a sick member of the family. Nothing seems to work. Prayers and fasting to Allah or the Hindu gods or the animalist gods don't work, or sacrifices to those gods. Then they ask a Christian to pray. The loved one is cured and the whole family comes to Christ. And I've read about the story and met people that live this story over and over again. And I've talked to many people whom, whom have seen that story. Uh, music ministry can come up now. Oh, I'm not done. <laughs> it's perfectly logical to say that once in a great while, God might intervene using things or forces that we don't understand and perform a miracle. This is consistent with the laws of science and mathematics. Now I'm done. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Thank you, Frank. Why don't you guys stand? Let's sing about the goodness.
Oh, your mercy never fails me And all my days I've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head Oh, I will sing Of the goodness of God Let's sing that again love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. In all my days, I've been held in your hands. The moment that I wake up, until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God all my life. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in the darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God.
sing God's praises throughout this day and this week and every day of our lives. Uh, just a reminder again about the missions meeting tonight at 6 online. Uh, obviously, you can get lots of good information about our missionaries through this meeting, and you might see some familiar faces that you haven't seen in a while. So we hope uh, as many of you as possible can make it. Uh, at this point, would you just bow your heads in a final prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you for the reminder today that you are the God of miracles, Lord. We thank you for your intervention in our lives. We thank you for the miracle of your son who came to live with us, gave his life for us, and was resurrected so that we might give our lives to you and enjoy eternal life with you in heaven. As we go, please remember, help us to remember the words of Numbers 6, 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he turn his face toward you and give you peace.